I was a, a diving instructor out in the in the Caribbean, a little um, island called Utila off Honduras. I was running a bar in the evening with a, another English guy, um, cycling my bike around the island, going diving, teaching people to dive and um, taking people out for fun dives around this island. And so there's a point where I didn't really talk too much about that experience because it seemed too much of a divergence from you know what should normally be a career track. Welcome so, to Learning with Leaders. Today's guest is Russell Butler, CEO of Iventis, an extremely interesting company. Um, he will be talking about some quite insightful things, how working and being responsible for a bar uh, on a little island really helped him to get the right perspective for his future business and why young professionals shouldn't put too much pressure uh, on themselves in the beginning of their career. Hello, good morning, Russell. Welcome to Learning with Leaders. Morning, Paco. How are you? I'm very fine, although I'm still digesting the defeat of the German team against England, but that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> We've already moved on, you see. We've beaten Ukraine 4-0 now, so we're, we moved on quite quickly, actually. Yeah, I'm not interested in those details anymore, <laughs> uh, Russell. Okay, thank you. So, Russell, um, we, we, I think we met four, around four or five years ago in Paris during one of your still face-to-face -face Eventive uh, um, conferences and, yep. uh, or events. And uh, it was, for me at least, it was a memorable session, not only because I met you for the first time, but also because it was a session led by Nick Van Damme, at that time yep. uh, CLO of McKinsey. Um, and you know, so, I mean, we're in the very heart of introducing you. Uh, you are the CEO of Aventive, the founder as well, and you are a passionate for, you know, uh, not only the learning topic, but also networking with people. Um, and uh, I mean, in early days in your career, you were also very active in the sales and marketing arena, if I remember well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So learning, I mean, I've spent my life around learning, um, spent a long time in sort of university and then came out of university, but still remained kind of linked with that world, worked for a serious games company and understood that learning was was all about experience. And from that, I decided to start, yeah, essentially a conference company in 2008 in the midst of a financial crisis. So had to sort of pivot and, and sort of change the model. But essentially, we have a very niche sort of setup at Iventive in terms of how we run the events, but it's all about experience. So it's a small group, um, you know, as you mentioned, when you were with us in Paris, it's probably about 40 people, very senior, so senior people in large multinational organizations, so well aligned, we bring them together and really just allow them to get into conversation and have some fantastic sponsors who support that. And we've run 102 in person, so up until sort of the start of the pandemic. And then I think we've run almost 70 virtually over the past year and a half now. So. Um, yeah, in the event space, but in a very niche subsection, really focused on learning and, and development. So that's uh, that's inventive. Yeah, so it sounds very very planned, you know, very polished. Uh, but uh, if I remember uh, during our preparation session uh, for this year, you mentioned a very, I would almost say, bohemian part of your life. Would you like to share a little bit more about that? And also, why could this be important for young professionals? Yeah, so we talked a bit about yeah my my journey, and I think journeys really only make sense when you look back at them. And I think that's probably one of the key things I would I would learn you know take away from this is that when you're going through different stages, particularly early career, 
some parts of it might not seem like they really make sense and you might be in some roles where you think well this isn't really right for me you know this is a bit of wasted time when i look back there's none of the time has been wasted at all because it all helps sort of build who you are and, and direct you where you're going and i think the bit that probably surprises people when i chat to them about when i started iventive the year sort of prior to that well, i spent a few months working for a conference company immediately prior but the year prior to that, I was a, a diving instructor out in the in the Caribbean, a little um, island called Utila off Honduras. I was running a bar in the evening with a, another English guy, um, a, a boat in a in a tree. Essentially, the bar was so quite a spectacular some location. Then um, cycling my bike around the island, going diving, teaching people to dive, and um, taking people out for fun dives around this island. And so there's a point where I didn't really talk too much about that experience because it seemed too much of a divergence from you know what should normally be a career track so I did it and actually I remember putting my profile on on LinkedIn and I omitted this bit and I think actually maybe it's still omitted on my on my mm. LinkedIn profile because mm. sometimes you go and take this this time out and people well you, or you have this perception that people look at that and think well it was just partying on an island which you know, admittedly I was to a large extent but <laughs> when I look back now I, I learned so much from being there you know I spent a lot of time at university where I learned a lot of theory and then there's the real world you get into where you actually have to start applying that and taking people out diving and working in a bar where, you know, particularly the diving, you go out, you can have a murky day and, you know, it wasn't going to be a great experience, but you could make it a great experience. You could really focus on, you know, talking to people and making sure they enjoy the, the, the day out and you were the, you know, a big part of, of them enjoying that experience. And the same at the bar. Um, it was all about sort of connecting and talking to people, introducing people to each other and different things. So it was all um all really important part of taking all this idea and theory that you learn and then just actually just living a bit of life for a while and getting to know people and dealing with lots of different customers and different perspectives so I see now how it was a really important part of sort of getting me to where I am now but at the same time it felt to me like it was something that had to be sort of squirreled away from my CV and not necessarily shown so mm. and I probably imagine there's probably a lot of sort of young professionals who have that same period where they maybe go for a year abroad a year you know gap year and they're doing it just you know probably at the time just because it's like well I can delay work for a year that's largely why I did that idea um but actually when you look back it's you know it's a great way to broaden your mindset you connect with so many different people people from all over the world and then you've got that with you you've got that view that when you chat to people from different parts of the world you'll be able to find things to connect with them on so um yeah so I think that's kind of quite an interesting reflection on on sort of gap years or these little periods that people take out in their in the start of their careers I suppose yeah, I fully agree. And if you were not the inventor of client experience journey, but at least you were an early adopter, you know, with during the day, the diving instructor and then in, in the evenings, the bar. So that was yeah. a whole client experience journey, I, I suppose. Yeah, it was. And, and it, like there's, there's a common thread through the whole thing was that, you know, you were basically in the entertainment industry. You wanted people to enjoy the experience they were going through. And that word experience is basically linked to every role I've had and, and specifically now with the business I run it's all about making sure people have a you know that great experience and that customer focus that I think I mean when, when you know when Susie and people, I hire people here into the business we're always looking to say you know look at CV and have they had any time where they've been customer focused where they've been literally in front of customers like in a bar or wherever it be 
But I think that experience is so important, dealing like literally dealing face to face with people. So, um, yeah, those experiences are always good to tot up, even in you know over summer periods, whatever it is, where you can get experience working with people and people in different. I mean, people are all different, but people in all different um, sort of stages of, uh, of of the day and you know how they how they're behaving. You know, going to buy, get all different types of characters, and it's a good experience to learn to deal with people in those moments. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um... So now in, in these conversations, I like to ask people a lot about, you know, what's your personal most memorable coaching experience or observation. And um, when we uh, talked the last time, I remember there, you know, a, a keyword, it was, you know, active listening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when I was delivering training, sales trainings uh, a few years ago, um, active listening was some of the probably most underrated skills, especially in sales people and key account people. So yeah. what is your anecdote around that topic? Yeah, so yeah, when you asked me this question, I thought straight back to, to Richard Smith, who's unfortunately no longer with us, but he was my sales director at the time. And this was early part of my career. One of my, I think, I mean, pretty much may have been my first sales meeting, I suppose, going out with Richard. and. He'd been, you know, hired into the business as an experienced sales professional, and I was brand new in, you know, working in sales and marketing. And so, before we went out to this, I was like, okay, he's going to be really good at sales. You know, this I want to learn from him. I want to understand how, you know, how does Richard do this? And I remember really distinctly, we went up to this this meeting, and we stopped at a fast food restaurant actually, because we got there early. Stopped at a fast food restaurant, sat at a, a, a sort of um, a picnic bench outside had a coffee, which I didn't really like coffee at that stage, um, early in my career. I need it now several times a day. So we stopped and had a, a, a coffee and had a chat. And I was still kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to watch a you know, true sales pro and you know, I wonder what lines he'll use. I wonder how he'll sell what we were going in there with. And was thinking it was all about essentially about me that, you know, I would think, okay, well, what do I know? What can I, you know, how do I sell? That was what I was always focused on. And Richard was purely focused on the people we were going to meet and their organization. And before we went in, it was understanding more, doing a bit more research on them, rereading his notes, rereading his sort of conversations he'd had with them in the buildup. So he knew the personal connections and the phone calls they'd had because uh, it was largely phone call back then, um, you know, the, these interactions that he'd had. So when we then went into the meeting, it, I wasn't, it was it surprised me because I was expecting Richard to go in and just be like, be wowed by like, oh, look, look at him sell it. But actually we got in there and he was just really interested in, you know, the, well, I said the customer, the prospective customer, I suppose, um, and really built up a rapport with them straight away and was not trying to fit what we had in with what they had. He was just understanding whether what we had was right, you know, for, for them and understood, you know, them as individuals and them as an organization, what they were trying to achieve and seeking to achieve. And I was in, you know, going to meetings with Richard where he'd it'd sort of be like, well, this isn't quite the right thing for what you're looking to do. And mm. that that was a really an eye-opener moment for me because I always thought, you know, you go in and and you sell, you know, you go in and, and, and push it forward. But actually, and still to this day, like that that's still the most valuable lesson for me is, you, you know, it's not about you. You know, you, you have all that background, that knowledge, that insight behind you. You need to understand your product and everything. But it's not about that. It's about going in and understand that customer. And, and still with a business I run now, the successful sponsors and people we work with, you see that in them all, that they're just interested in people and connecting and not trying to just sell. They're trying to, it's more of a consultative approach, I suppose. And yeah, being an active listener. So yeah, that was a really, uh, yeah, really interesting experience for me. I can imagine. Yeah. And something which is 
also indirectly connected to, to what you just uh, shared is your observation um, also with your current younger team members, because your mm -hmm. team has grown in the past quite a lot. Um, so that very often they put too much pressure on themselves. Uh, why do you think this is not good to put too much pressure on yourself? It's, it's probably similar to how I was at that stage. So I think um, we, the reality is it takes a long time to get started on your career. So like, you know, when I went through school, the natural assumption was you, you'd pretty much go to university. So all of us were kind of going to university, didn't know what I wanted to study. So did a general business admin degree because I just thought, well, everyone's going and doing this. And mm. and then and then I did a master's because I was like, still not sure what I want to do. And everyone had the same degree as me. Uh, so I was like, I do the master's. And then I did this marketing qualification alongside because that was a um, from Charles Institute Marketing, which is a professional um, qualification, which actually was really was really valuable because that that showed you more about applications rather than theory. It was really more about application. So I did all that. And then you enter the workforce and you think, OK, that's a lot of time. Like I was what 23 or something, and, you know, a lot of time and effort been put into building, you know, Russell mm. and who he should be at that stage. Then you come into a business and you think, well, I should have an immediate impact. I should be, mm -hmm. you know, this badge should sit behind me of what I've learned and studied and understood. And now I should go in and be great at, at what I'm going to do. But the reality is it's it doesn't work like that. It takes a long time. And I think, you know, I see it here with Iventi. We've, we tend to hire quite a lot of young people into roles here. And a lot of the times they come in and they want to go 100 miles an hour. They want to have an immediate impact. They want to be the, the top performer in the team straight away. And once you can sort of break that urgency and allow them to say, look, you don't have to straight away. We're not, there's no, literally the first few weeks, there's no expectation at all from you. Just understand who we are. And actually mm -hmm. it probably takes longer than that. Really start to understand who we are as a business, start connecting with people across the team, work out who can support you and what you need to do. And then you'll find your way, you'll find your feet and you'll start, you know, hitting results and you'll know when the expectation is on you because we'll be discussing it. But that urgency that people come in with, I think, can be too much of a burden and, and we see people come in and like within the first few weeks they're staying up really late working on things and then they're coming in and saying oh I was up till 10 11 12 last night working on this and that's not really what it's about it's just about you know take a bit of time you know find your place find your feet and actually quite often and we do this with the business here you know if, if people come in and they're not in the right role you know that's fine as well like I think people sometimes feel they have to fit you know where they where they land and actually that's not the case if you're in the wrong place then you know with our view we've helped people move on to, to bigger better roles in in many ways largely because they were better you know aligned for them so i think this pressure that people come in with i can understand where it comes from and i felt it exactly the same myself because i was like you know university particularly now costs a lot of money so you go in with this uh, you know i'm worth this much money because you know i've got all that education in but then just calm down and take your time find the network in the business, talk to people around you and hopefully have somebody above you who's supportive of, of you taking that time. Um, but yeah, that sense of urgency, I think, is 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 one of the problems. I mean, you need a bit of urgency at some points, but actually until you know how to do what you need to do, you know, urgent urgency is just going to stress you out. Yeah, I agree. And this also um, shows how important it is to not only very carefully select the company you will be working with, but also your team, your boss, whether this is a person who will be supporting you and giving you, allowing you this kind of freedom, right? So 
Um, you also um, um, mentioned, you know, somebody coming fresh from university. Um, so I've been reading lately a lot uh, about, you know, what's the real challenge of learning organizations, if they really can claim to be a learning organization at all. Yep. <laughs> um, so their biggest challenge is what to identify and to define what needs to be unlearned. Yeah. So unlearning is a big keyword. So what, what has been during the past years, also during the, the many inventive conferences uh, you were part of, what has have been those things, perhaps also connected to the pandemic, what had to be unlearned? Yeah, well, it's funny with the with the business because um, you just see, you see it year on year. So I, you know, the, the events we've run, um, you know, generally right back to the first event, um, we're getting global heads of learning from companies with an average of around 100,000 employees. So a, a very sort of homogenized group in terms of people in the room, in terms of their seniority and responsibility. And then also, you know, year on year, you know, you can compare and contrast them, although the, the faces change, the roles and the responsibilities are very similar. And generally what you see is, um, you know, when I started the business 2008, the first event was called, so they're all learning and development. The first event was called training and development. And at the time, you know, we all felt, well, not all felt, but there was a, there was a more of a agreed consensus that training was an important word and that training, probably simplifying it a bit here, but probably related more to the formal part of people being in a room for training. And that was kind of the view, 2008, 2009, of how things would be done. And I think that financial crisis that we had, you know, back then instantly put restrictions on travel. And I think that was the first time people realized that actually they didn't, well, didn't have to go um and and travel to to engage in learning you know e-learning had, had been around for long enough and you know the basic sort of click through flash-based technology and different things but the technologies were continually improving and so i saw that move from literally from year one to year two we changed the name from training to learning because there was at the time everyone was like oh are we calling it training now we should be talking about learning and looking more organized organization-wide and enterprise-wide and it should be more embedded into the workflow. And you see those changes starting to happen. And also that reticence towards technology that was at the start, because a lot of, uh, you know, learning technologies at the start were quite basic, click-based, you know, um, e-learning with, with flash technology, which I thought but was amazing. Even boring, even boring. Yeah. Boring, yeah, exactly. So this was the problem, and but it, but it was so cost-effective. But when I worked at, um, I worked at an education company up here in, in Leamington, actually, and just at the the cusp of new technology coming in, and we were doing NVQ qualifications and um, NVQs. You'd, a lot of the um, assessments that we were doing at the time were multiple choice. So you do your multiple choice exam, hand it in, and then a few months later you'd get a response. Which obviously, for multiple choice, you know, machine would tell you the answer. You know, your response is straight away. So you then had to wait a few months. And by the time you got the feedback, you didn't know what you'd got wrong. And so the change I saw this was back in you know 2005 with with that technology was that actually we could get the result immediately so that you could see whether you passed or failed. But critically, even if you got, you know, 80%, you know, the teacher could then sit with you and say, okay, well, these are the ones you got wrong. And you could reflect on, you know, so it's a huge learning experience and reinforcement experience of that person who'd got 80% right. You, you know, this is, this is right. You got it right. So mm. that seemed like a big change. So I think the, in terms of unlearning, I think those views of technology have really, you know, over the years evolved and evolved and evolved and, and, you know, I've seen over LMS systems as well and into you know learning experience platforms and different things that people have always changed, you know, continually year on year changed their view about how technology could play a role in learning. And now it's you know absolutely the the heartbeat of how we deliver learning, the move from training to learning as a as I mentioned. And then obviously for my business, 
I always felt that it was very rich in-person experience. That was the high value of Iventive. You had to come together and be in that room. And it was about, you know, meeting people and having that connection. And then we had to run virtually. So that wasn't sort of a, a conscious, you know, a conscious, I want to unlearn this. It was that we had to do it. And actually we've realized now that for a lot of our markets, a lot of our sort of subsectors and everything's virtual is way better. Like it makes more sense for a small focus, few hours on a sector specific group of heads of learning. And you know, we can go into, we ran a banking event the other week. We can go into this very, you know, specific niche focus and bring people together from all different markets carbon footprint is massively reduced and everyone can be there for those few hours you know so i think we're continually unlearning um i think it's a, a really essential thing for us to do and i think every you know entering the workforce now needs that lifelong learning mindset and you know a growth mindset and i think everybody over the past year and a half has, has had to have that you know i think literally everybody's role has changed and i think a lot of the things we felt we couldn't do a lot of managers who felt they couldn't you know, manage or lead remotely have managed to do it and done exceptionally well at it. So it's something we're all continually going to be doing and with the pace of technological change, probably even more so. So yeah, unlearning is is definitely uh, definitely important part for a growth mindset, I would say. Yeah, I fully confirm, by the way, because I had the pleasure to uh, be part of one of these virtual meetings as a client. And it was, you know, very effective to have a one-to-one -one during 10 minutes, you know, with a CLO. Uh, and this person could be much more focused in the conversation with me than in a person-to-person -person environment. Yeah. So that was a very surprising observation for me, at least. Um, you know, talking about, you know, now pretty pandemic-specific, you know, consequence, not only, yeah. but um, it's, it, you know, when I now look back at the type of meetings uh, I'm having um, since a few years now, it's very well structured, a lot of items, the agenda is, you know, very clear and, and tight uh, very often as well. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, how young professionals can um, make, make them uh, heard and, and, and speak up in these, you know, uh, very tight agendas. And I remember one um, uh, one, you know, uh, observation you shared with me before is that in one of your sessions, it was, I think, a hackathon, uh, and it went a little bit, you know, in an unusual way because the young professionals were present. So what was so unusual because they were present? Yeah, I think one of the things with, you know, Inventive, although obviously very proud of how we built the business and what we do, I think one of the challenges we probably could, you know, level at ourselves is that by having such a sort of closed group in that room, you know, such an experienced group of the global heads of learning and it's, you know, a small enough group of them, but it's um, almost a self-confirming group because their their sort of mindset is probably similar and some of the experience they've had are similar. So it, it's one of the things we challenged ourselves with is can we bring in, you know, people with very different views or, uh, you know, sort of challenger groups into this room to try and give different perspectives. So, and, and that's actually virtually, that's even easier because you can just ask people, can you jump on, you know, we run some events on different sectors, you know, we run on procurement and different things. So we mm -hmm. get our learning leaders come to that, maybe someone from procurement to, to learning. So we can, we can rotate them around a little bit, but a few years ago we had um, yeah, a session in London and we decided to bring in, I didn't really like the term millennials, but anyway, we, we, we termed it, you know, millennials. We brought in a, a group of people who basically were entering the, you know, the workforce. Um, so sort of new entrance to the workplace and we ran uh, yeah, HR hackathons. We didn't have all the computers out to build software, but it was a, you know, a HR interpretation of a hackathon. Mm. So we had our HR leaders in the room and then we had a group, I think it was about six 
of this sort of millennial group um, come in from generally uh, the, the groups we, we went through universities we found people who generally just finished their first sort of undergraduate degree and were about to enter the workforce some of them one of them started a business already one of uh, you know a couple of got um internships sorted and different things so they came in and were our, our sort of user group so we had a conversation with them and we decided what we would do is split the the heads of learning uh, well heads of talent it was for that event into subgroups and they would have to go off and build um, sort of an onboarding platform or an onboarding program um, for this new intake mm. to join the organization and help them, you know, help them sort of, you know, in the first, first few months find their feet. So when we had this conversation, we then set a sub sort of uh, topic for, for each of the heads of talent groups. And they went off and started building these. And then we had a midpoint where they could come back and sort of share back, you know, what they were building. And it was just quite you know interesting seeing well first of all how this user group were confident enough to really challenge back so you know for me i particularly from starting the business i was always lucked up to these you know global heads of of talent in my you know large organizations and um this millennial group were very happy to challenge back and and say you know that's not a good idea why would you be you know why would you be doing mm -hmm. that doesn't work mm -hmm. and I think that um, I mean a lot of organisations do you know reverse mentoring and different things now, and um, I think that that open exchange and the way we'd managed to set them so they felt they could challenge back worked really well. Um, and then they went back and reiterated, and when they presented back the next time, they'd aligned much better on that that user group. And I think the the the, the sort of takeaway for well takeaway for me from that was the, these these ideas of hierarchies have been you know, flattening and flattening, you know, even the time I've been in the, the workplace. I think um, I remember Charles Jennings sharing at the events, and I think it was John Husband, actually, who talked about wirearchies, this idea that, you know, of how structures of organisations are now really set up, and particularly um, over the past sort of 18 months, I think wirearchies is, is the right term. But that's that's the reality now, that the, the new intake into organisations probably don't need to feel they're sitting right at the bottom of this. They can come in and be the challenges. They can bring a lot of ideas um, and change and influence the way the organization is going because essentially you know they're going to be running it it's, it's going to be their business mm, in the future mm. so um, it was really interesting yeah to see that exchange how confident they could be and how I suppose empowered they were when they were confident in that space and encouraged to be that way mm. um, which probably means you need leaders and managers who in your business are encouraging you to, to be yourself to be confident and, and to come forward and probably in the world we're in right now probably is is a little bit of a challenge but you know as, as said when we spoke briefly earlier i think this hierarchy idea actually does flatten things out a lot more so you know this idea that you want to build your network and start to connect with people you can probably you probably can do that as effectively now even remotely or even if you're in the office still using technology and connecting with anyone in the business and suddenly start to build those networks yourself so um yeah it's definitely a certainly a different um a different time in spaces right now in terms of where we are with technology and how people embed into organizations but i think having that confidence you know and coming into organizations and sharing who you are what you view um and and getting that feedback those feedback loops and you know reverse mentoring and different things i think it's quite an exciting time to to join russell um thank you very much i mean for all these insights also for your uh insights into you know some of your own personal early career um, um uh, experiences it was a real pleasure pleasure meeting you today and 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 talking with you um i wish you all the best uh, for you personally and also for your very 
uh, courageous and uh, innovative Aventive team and hope to see you very soon. Thank you for your time, Paco. Lovely to talk to you as always. I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much, Russell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.